Need a new set of optics? For more than a decade, Riton Optics has been providing optic solutions for hunters and shooters of all types and disciplines. Check out their Primal line for those products geared more towards us hunters. From binoculars and spotting scopes to your basic 3-9 to nine scopes and longer range crossover models, the Primal line from Riton was made for hunters. Learn more at RitonOptics.com. That's Riton, R-I-T-O-N, Optics.com. This is the OKS Hunter Podcast. Never pass on shooter bucks. That's just me, the freezer. It's your tag. You hunt how you want. This is OKS Hunter. up everybody welcome to the OKS Hunter podcast a uh, little bit different format this week I just recorded last night it was Tuesday today is Wednesday September 20th it's actually my son's birthday so I'm off of work today he's at school for a little bit and I gotta go get him in a little while and uh, I'm off next week uh, for work stuff so no in-studio time so when you watch this live it's pre-recorded so if you want to jump in the comments questions we'll, we'll come back to them uh, during a live broadcast but Nonetheless, things are a little bit different this week. We have Bill Thompson with Spartan Forge on the line with us. So I'm just going to dive in right away. Uh, I don't have Greg and Derek here to chew the fat with and, and do all the, the shenanigans. I mean, Bill's here for shenanigans, but it's morning time and I'm drinking coffee, not not bourbon. So and you got enough shenanigans going on over there. You got some big life stuff going on, Bill. Yeah, I got a ton of stuff. I got movers in here today. My dog's going nuts. Um some business stuff just popped up while I was in the middle of doing all of this, like as we were getting ready. So no rest for the wicked. Absolutely not. You're not allowed to rest. I don't know if this is what you signed up for, but uh, you can handle it. You were in the Army Intelligence as an officer for a number of years. Like, you, you know what you're getting to do. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The day is young. I mean, this, at least this way, like, you know, lives aren't at stake necessarily, right? We're not saving lives here. Just one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just one. That's a good point. Well, uh, we've been, we've been, uh, pals for, uh, gosh, we were just talking about this. It feels like four or five years. It, it's at least two. It might be four. I don't know. You don't know. We're not really sure. I, I don't know. Everything right now feels like it was forever ago. Like my wife and I were just talking about a walk that we took and I'm like, that was like three days ago, babe. She was like, no, that was this morning. Oh my God. That was, yesterday. That was so, this morning. <laughs> I, I just like, like, time right now is 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 the horizon it just gets farther and farther away from me and like things that are like the morning are like you know feel like two days ago but i'm not complaining i'm doing what i want to do i hope people don't think i'm complaining so no it's just a, it's a reality thing that's all it's just speaking about your reality and what you got going on but when you you know you started spartan forge when you were still serving in the army as an officer um you know it was pretty scrappy, pretty startup. And, and back then you were working your ass off probably just as hard because you're doing two full-time jobs. Now you're doing one. Um, but let's just talk about the Genesis a little bit, because when Spartan Forge came to, came to the, the market and the deer hunting community, it was a web app, which means you could just access it online through a browser. You go to spartanforge.ai and you could see some uh, intel about deer movement predictability. Now, talk about maybe just the beginning. We'll spend a little bit of time on the beginning and then we'll just go through the paces of kind of try to get up to present day and all the features and things you've added over the years. 
Yeah, so when the company started, um, I really wanted to just focus on the machine learning aspect of everything. And that's kind of um, how I made my bones in the military was doing, at least for the last three or four years, was doing stuff associated with machine learning. Um, and it just struck me that there was a market there. My actual original plan was to build a machine learning interface that you know almost any company could just hook up to and use, kind of like a just, you know, I say an API or something that somebody can integrate into their, whether it's their application, whatever people were doing. Um, I was just going to build, you know, a lot of ML AI stuff, um, not just in deer and other species and other, you know, for hunting, for hiking, for everything. Um, and just kind of, and that's where the actual, the first name Spartan Forge came from was just like, you know, essentially a repository of tools for, you know, at the Spartans, for people that, you know, are trying to just get as much done with as little as possible. Um, or at least the interface that I presented them didn't have a lot going on. Like, yeah, there was a lot behind the, uh, going on behind the scenes to provide them with the data, but that the data would be there very clean and understandable and, and scalable to whatever level of difficulty that you wanted. So that was my initial intent. And um, I was originally working with a few mapping companies and then one mapping company tried to kind of like suck us up um, and it almost happened. Uh, and then there was just too much in the contract and they wanted us, you know, hemmed up for too long. And so it just kind of dawned on me that the hard part was doing the AI stuff, not building the maps and everything. I knew that the maps would take time and to get all of that done implemented properly the way that I would want it done, um, I thought would take two years. Um, we're, we're here at, at about 18 months. No, we're here at about 20 months of having an app on the app store with maps in it. Um, and, we're, and we're probably just about to beat that two-year timeline, but that's about how long I thought it would take. But the difficult part was all the AI and the machine learning stuff. So that was um, the, the iceberg under the surface that was kind of running there and how, how, that's still a pretty big piece of it, though, right? Like that's still unique. Oh yeah, I mean, to, it's still the driving. Forge. It's still the driving force. I don't talk about it anymore because one of the things I've learned in the last two years is that app stores and development and testing just doesn't give a crap about your timelines. So I've stopped talking about um, since Blue Force Tracker, which I talked about, you know, almost a year ago. I think the first time I brought up Blue Force Tracker was about a year ago. I anticipated it to be done in about six months and it took a full year to get out into the app store. A lot of it had to do with lawyers and what, what, how, you know, when you're sharing location and photos and pictures without, um, basically it's not a consent thing that you do every time you share your location. So like when you launch Google maps, even, um, pretty regularly, you're asked to respond and say that you understand you're sharing your location. Um, that was the type of litigious, legal framework that we had to build in and get stuff approved, but then also the way that we handle and protect users' data, all good stuff. Just, you know, when I thought about in a vacuum, just building something like Blue Force Tracker, that to me was relatively straightforward and getting that built wasn't the difficult part. All of the surrounding architecture that is required from a legal framework and from a user protection framework was more that I just didn't anticipate. So these days, that's a long way of saying, I just don't talk about timelines or capability anymore. Blue Forest and LiDAR were like the last two things that I'm talking about really. When it comes from like 
I'm not to say I won't talk about new features, but I won't talk. You're not going to put a timeline on it. Yeah. Ask me when things are coming out. Like I just I can't do it anymore because it seems like it never works. But I mean, there's other stuff that we're building into Blue Force Tracker that'll be coming out, and then there's other AI um, pieces that I've talked about in the past, but some other ones that we're even more excited about that we're building in the background that we plan on doing in the future. I can talk about those. I just won't talk about timelines or when I anticipate those things being put out on the app store anymore because it's just not a useful exercise. Yeah. I think that's relevant to anybody doing business in any form tech or otherwise, even like, you know, manufacturers of supply chains and, and dealing with, you know, the, the start of the supply chain versus the end, like, we have goals and forecasts and timelines that are desirable for us. We think we can meet them based on ABC, you know, factors, but then you, you forget there's XYZ at the end. That's going to come and try to put itself at the front of the alphabet and mess it all up. There's just unknown variables yeah. and things that like aha moments and gotchas that you'll navigate along the way. So it's like to your, to anyone's, to everyone's best effort. I feel like timelines are always man in, in the agency life that I, that I live in, like, Oh, we're going to have this website done. And you know, you know, whatever a month or two, I'm like, yeah, right. How about eight? That's realistic, right? you know, because you just aren't going to yeah. be able to, you know, forecast everything that's going to pop up that wasn't in your purview. Um, yeah, sense? most customers are pretty understanding about those things. But then there are some who There's are just some. like, what about this thing you said you were going to build? <laughs> and those ones are always the most vocal ones, too. Like you're always hearing from them on social media and stuff like that, always, which is fine. Yeah. I just encourage them to go build something where they're depending on other people. Yeah. Well, those are the, <laughs> that, you know, what, what, get it. what's the, the comedian that uh, was like, he talked about, you know, when Wi-Fi became available on a plane for the first time. And he's like, you know, we, we just hear about this new technology. We're flying through the, the air in a seat and it's magical. And some, so they're like, hey, we now have Wi-Fi available. And, and all of a sudden they're like, hey, it's not working. And this guy sitting next to me goes, oh, you got to be kidding me. He's like, you just learned about this three seconds ago. <laughs> like It wasn't even on your radar. You're already pissed. Like people right, yeah, yeah, love yeah. to be pissed. I, I haven't even thought about this, but a lot of people, I mean, and I'm not saying this about deer hunters. I'm saying this about people in people, general. Yeah. Just need things to be angry about. Yeah. So that's fine too. I, and I don't mind. I, again, I get it. That's the price of doing business. I'm not complaining. Yeah. I'm happy um, to be in this space and doing what I love. And it's, it's truly a blessing. Well, you've done a good so. job navigating it because I see you in the comments on various threads on social across all different platforms. And it's you responding to people and you are always very, uh, you have a lot of class when you do it. You're very uh, stoic. I try. And, and I'm sure there's a di inner dialogue that's like, man, you know, you probably want to backhand some of these people, but, but you know, you, you're the CEO of the company, so you got to put your best face forward and just try to come with kindness and be humble and, and patient. But it's like parenting almost, man. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, yes, that's definitely a challenge for me, especially I'm used to just responding quite differently to people. Um, not, not, you know, online or customers or anything like that, but being in the military for 21 years, you can usually take a different course to people yes. whenever they're getting uppity with you about something. But uh, yeah, I try to keep it. I try to remain stoic. I try to keep it professional. And, and again, I also understand that people are excited about features and stuff. So um, and they're also the, the ones that really get me are the guys that are on the free app. I'll get people who are indignant with me on the free app on the free app where I don't you know force anything on them. They're not having to watch videos before they use it. They're getting property data for free. I'll get guys on there who just absolutely go ballistic on me. Um, but I, I, but I try to keep my reserve. Um, so again, yeah. it's, um, I always remind myself of what I would be. The other thing I remind myself of is like, Hey, three years ago, you were sitting on like the side of a mountain, sweating your face off, um, you know, in Afghanistan or wherever. And this is infinitely better than that. So 
Yeah, that's a good reminder. Well, as far as some of the features go, like the progression, your your vision for for this is pretty fascinating because I don't to to the end consumer, I don't think consumers even know what they want or need. If you ask them, like what they would tell you is not what they would need. And I I use that example when I talk about like Apple. People didn't realize they needed a better smartphone when they had a BlackBerry in their pocket. Like if Apple would have said, what do you want? They wouldn't have said touchscreen because it wasn't even on their radar. Um, mm-hmm. Their smartphone, for that matter, wasn't even on their radar, like a better phone. Like it's, it's just interesting, the consumer behavior of things. But I don't think people realize that they even could have had a better mapping experience as far as the, the clarity, the, the topographical features, the, the accurateness of that or accuracy man i'm uh, clearly not all the way through my coffee but i don't think consumers knew that there was some improvements that could have come to that market and now that we're seeing what you guys have developed as a as a you know newer player in the space you're definitely shaking things up and if i were a bigger player i'd be shaking my boots a little bit and i don't know if it's the military background that's given you insight to how you can build to these things but you're doing it at a at a level that's like the consumer is in mind, regardless of whether or not they know what they want. They are the ones you're you're creating products for, and we're the ones as a consumer getting all this extra benefit. And so maybe just talk about just how you've seen this white space in the category, and how you've. I'm not asking for you to tell me how you've made the pudding, um, but just the visionary stuff around, like identifying the fact that people could experience a better mapping. Uh, you know, the, the I'm using the word clarity, but the detail in your mapping, the the historical. Uh, features of your mapping to see present maps versus you know maps from a year ago two years ago three years ago that's a concept that like i I never would have considered that is something that i would have needed but now that i have it i i I can't not have it similar to the iphone like well or smartphone whatever now that i have it like we couldn't imagine living without it it's it's really interesting how technology can kind of creep up on us that way and you just you see it so i don't even know where your vision's going because i think you're probably going to create things that we're not even thinking of well, I mean, I hope to do that, and I, I thank you for the praise. I don't know if it's justified, but um, uh, yeah. So, I mean, we're actually going to be rolling out at some point here in the near future, as I try to keep to not saying timelines. We'll be rolling out historical mapping for all of the U.S. So, right now, we only cover about fifty-two percent, fifty-three percent of the U.S. with historical mapping. We're going to have one meter data that covers all of the U.S. Like we've already collected the data, we have it. I'm looking at it. We're experimenting with it, um, and very soon. Um, this year, I anticipate um, uh, there being a release where users will have one meter historical data for all of the all of the U.S. So, if if I understood the question um, correctly, which I often don't, so correct me if I'm wrong. But um, I, I guess what I'm looking at is what are the what are the when I distill what a hunter needs, and I put it in very simple terms. From a product owner perspective, when I'm wearing my product owner hat, which is one of the many hats I wear here, along with my founders at Spartan Forge, we all wear a lot of hats. When I wear my product owner hat, I'm really trying to, there's like, what does the hunter need? And then what are the available resources that I can centralize inside of the application to answer the mail on that need? And and then where, how do I get from here to there? So there's obvious things, and I think that are obvious things. Um, and then there are less obvious things. And the obvious, you know, the obvious things, and for the most part, people catch on to you right away and understand. The less obvious things, I think people use the app for three to six months before they even realize they're there. 
Um, uh, and so that that's kind of from a product owner perspective, what I'm trying to do. And that's like the very high level aspect of it, but there's all kinds of things entailed in that too, because one of the biggest problems from a Spartan Forge perspective that we've had over the years is presenting stuff to people in a way I didn't account for, you know, some of my competitors who were there first that built things. Um, I, I would say in a not intuitive way, but they were first to market and therefore people were trained to interact with data in a specific way. And I didn't, uh, my failure as a CEO and as a pro the chief product owner is I didn't account for that when I did my own designs. So for me, one of my biggest annoyance with like, and I'll just give it as an example is like, you know, some of the other products out there were, if I wanted to con configure a map, there were multiple payment wickets, there were multiple data wickets, there were things I had to click through in order to, you know, it, it, it might take a guy like me 30 or 35 clicks in order to get my map set up the way I wanted it. And now that I had it that way, it annoyed the crap out of me that I now had to do that whole cycle over again just to look at a topo map. Um, and that was one of my chief things that I tried going after and like fixing first. It turned out people weren't as annoyed with that as I was. So when we turned when we came out with like the the customizable map and the standard um, like aerial topo map and then the hybrid map, um, my intent was you could you'd have four maps that were configurable. One of them was configurable and three of them were standard. So if you wanted to just go back and see topo, you could do that. Then you could go right back to your custom map or if you wanted. And then there are two ways to do that. You could do it through the maps button or you could do it just by swiping over the compass. I built that for me. <laughs> and so my one of my chief failures as a CEO was a lot of people just didn't get that construct at all. Like it was super confusing to people. Um, and that was a big failure of mine is not accounting for that. Um, then the second thing that would happen though, is like two or three months later after I would explain that to somebody, then they were like, man, this is like the best way to do it. And now when I have to use a competitor application because there's data that you don't present yet, or because I like the imagery there better, or, or just because I still keep that application, it annoys the crap out of me that it takes, you know, 30, 35 clicks to um or or in that some cases as little as 12 or 15 whereas it's just a swipe on our app and i'm not even talking up our app there i'm actually talking down my i that's a shortfall of mine as a ceo to say i probably should have just came out with the configurable map first and just said this is the configurable map and then maybe introduce the other parts of it later in order to kind of ease customers into it because a lot of people just didn't understand the structure and when they don't understand the structure and you've now created friction between a 14 day trial and a sale. So, you know, our, our, my churn, at least in the beginning was not as good as I would have liked to have been because chiefly users were getting back to me and saying that the, that they, that they were inundated with new UI that they didn't understand a user interface. So I'm kind of getting technical into it, but it, I think for people yeah. listening that want to do their own thing, it's, it's useful to understand how it's been getting done before, before you just come out with a totally new thing. Otherwise you're going to create all that friction for yourself as a CEO and having to create all kinds of educational materials or um, also, you know, Spartan Forge is the name and I try to keep things Spartan in the app. I don't try to put anything superfluous in there. Um, but you all, but also um, 
I've had to introduce a bunch of UI that I don't want to introduce just to educate people on how to use it. So for instance, on the latest update, if you had never used the configurable map before, the little gear in the corner of the screen is going to sit there and vibrate until you've touched it, I think, 10 times. Because a lot of people would bring up their maps and they'd be like, I don't have a LiDAR map. I updated. There's no LiDAR map here. Now, my thing was, well, the LiDAR map is a configurable map and it's not a standard map. Um, the standard maps are just for when you want to look at something, you know, um, an aerial or whatever. So then my choice as a CEO becomes, do I want to, or as a product owner, not a CEO, as a product owner is, do I want to stick a LiDAR map into a default map section and add a fifth map? Or do I keep it in the customizable section? Or do I overhaul the way that I've set this up? And those are tough so, decisions because you're, you can change it, but it's a, it's a lot of work. No matter what yeah, you decide. Yeah, it's a lot of work. But then it's also re-educating yeah. everybody who's been on there before. So where I think I might be going in the future is just having um, three or four customizable maps. So just like a Lambda 1, a Lambda 2, a Lambda 3, a Lambda 4. And then if you want to set your, if you only look at Topo and you never look at Arial, or Arial is your customized map, then you can set those up however you want and swipe through them however you want. And then maybe I'm not confusing the users. So those are the things that I own as a CEO and as a product manager, where um, no matter how smart you think you are or how much nicer you're building something, that was something I didn't account for. So, and I'm not even remembering what your original question was now. Just your I'm foresight. Just, just, your, just your foresight around like, so in all of this, I know Microsoft, Apple, these tech giant companies, they have all this cloud-based stuff and now AI-based stuff. And, and there's monitoring of user uh not behavior but like user user behavior as it as it relates to the interaction of the product and then they're creating these feedback loops of like oh well 80 you know 1 million people clicked here but but not there and then so they're just making iterative changes so like you know it used to be you'd have to go buy you know word 95 word 98 and then it you just got stuck with however they chose to design it now they're letting the users um inform what that design is going to be based on active user engagement and then they're just iterating through the cloud and so then you're getting these updates uh, periodically um and and it's just it feels really smooth there's no more large you know crazy changes uh, every now and again you'll update your phone and there'll be a couple things but it usually ends up being to your benefit as a consumer or as a user because they, they've had the user mind because they've been monitoring how the app has been being utilized are you is spartan forge is there any of that behavior kind of going into things that might make your life easier as a, as a product manager to, to the point of like, man, clearly no one's seeing this if we consider how people are interacting with this app because this hasn't been clicked. And if not, I'm just curious because you're not Microsoft or Apple. Like I know there's probably economics there that might not work, but you guys are so damn advanced in my opinion. Like I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we still have to, um, the the and I kind of alluded to it before, but the the advantage of being the first to market is you can build a crappy solution and everyone has to use it. That's true. And then when everyone has to use it, they learn it. And when everyone has to learn it, now they don't want to relearn it again. Whenever you're doing something mm -hmm. else, I would say that's our chief problem among people is, yeah, I like the map betting mapping better. Yeah, I like the 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 tools better, but I don't like having to learn things all over again. Um, so a lot of people. I would say probably 30% of our um, user base um, supplements our product because they like the features, they like the resolution and the kind of things that we talked about before. But then when it comes down to a nitty gritty, they're still kind of using another product. I don't mind that. That's fine with me. Um, my goal is here over the next year is to make the product so 
um, usable and the product so um, uh, capable and there being so much capability in it that it'll force them to relearn. In other words, when we start putting out things like BFT and LIDAR, um, I know a lot of guys that, you know, we had a, a lot of people sign up when LIDAR came on because the- There's nowhere else the, to get the it. Capability, I, I, yeah, the capability is so great and the ability to cut down on your scouting time and to learn an area and not sacrifice vacation or time away from your family or whatever is so large. And, and even on areas where you know really well, you're gonna learn things you didn't know. Like I started testing and using LIDAR last year and on this public property that I was hunting, um, two years ago, I had hunted it and been very successful on there for a few years. There were logging trails towards the bottom of some of these hills that I didn't even know about until I used the LIDAR feature that highlighted these um, these small cuts or historical logging trails and deer trails that I didn't even know existed. So my goal to overcome that right now is to create updates over the next year that are going to be so incentivized that are going to incentivize users so much that now they're willing to overcome the friction of relearning something else because the capability is so great. Um, that's one. That's one vertical that I'm engaged in right now is just offering better product, and and I think that's something that we are doing despite the smallness of our company. Um, you know, there's the Titanics out there, which would be like an Onyx or a or a Hunt stand or something like that, and we're more of like a Swift boat. Um, but you can get a lot more done with a swift boat than you can with the Titanic. It's just everyone's on the Titanic. Big gears turn slow. Um, Big ships steer slow. Like it's, they, they can't, they just inherently at the right there at, they can't be as nimble as you. And, and I think that's where uh, an incumbent like you can, you can outpace them and uh, gain market share. And I think as you grow, that might become a challenge of yours. Is it, if you guys become the Titanic, you know, you know, there's just things of that nature. Um, I had a question that I was trying to think of here as it relates to the some of the some of these features we're talking about because i, I want to get into some of that with the latter half of this chat we're about 25 minutes in and i want to use some time to actually go over what some of these things are so i'm going to share my screen for anyone watching live this will be um when you watch live you can see it if if you're listening in podcast land when this goes out next tuesday night uh or tuesday night as you as you're listening to it you can check it out on youtube also um and and i'm going to be sharing the web app version on my screen I'm just picking a property I don't actually hunt um, that I that I know has some decent train features here in Wisconsin. It's Governor Dodge State Park. So if you hunt Governor Dodge State Park or you wanted to and you're in this area, you might learn a couple of things. Doubtful, <laughs> um, but, but we'll try. Yeah. But to your point about like learning things that you either you're going to scout faster on a new property or you're going to have insights that pop up and aha moments that you didn't consider. It's like reading a book the first time through. And as you're reading that book, you're highlighting things but you're absorbing so much information that you're, you're not able to like zoom in. So you're like, Oh, I want to go back to that. Then you read the book a second time or even a third or fourth time. And suddenly now you, you understand the plot. You understand what you're going to be getting out of this. You, you've already covered off on that. And now you can go back to those highlighted areas and go, Holy shit. I didn't consider this that or the other thing. Like I'm really getting a lot of it now. Like I think Spartan forge is you've already read this book in some cases several times. And now you can pull things out of it that can really uh, exponentially increase your, your, knowledge but also reduce your your learning curve and uh bill I, i'm going to switch screen so i won't see you talking as i go through this however um at least i don't think i can let's let's walk through some of the things that might be 
relevant here. So I've zoomed in on this Governor Dodge State Park. I have it uh, highlighted as public land. I, I have contours set to, you know, you can go 25, 20, or 10 feet, depending where you're at. Uh, I'm on satellite too. There's a couple different options. Walk me through some of the things that, like, people could get out of this. If I'm, if I'm, I understand I'm asking a very loaded question. So let's just eat an elephant here one bite at a time. You walk me through how uh, a user might best interact with Spartan Forge for the first time here. Uh, your screen's kind of frozen up for me. So I'm, I, I, I assume that you're, if you're still looking at the same thing you were looking at when I launched this, it was the web map. Yep. Um, making some so, I mean, for it. me, what I would do, I don't know. It's just like really slow to, as long as you can hear me, like I can walk you through it. Like I know right. the product well enough that I at least can tell you what I do. And if I understand you correctly, that's what you're asking for is kind of like how I would use my own tool to look at a piece of land. Is that correct? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, I would turn on roads. That would be the first thing that I would do. So I think it's under administrative waiting for your screen to like, um, uh, or infrastructure. I'm sorry. It might be infrastructure actually. Okay. Um, yep. where you would turn on roads there we go. Are you and, and what I'm okay? trying to do with roads. And if your roads are on your screen right now, again, it's frozen, but, um, if roads are on your screen right now, that, that and then I would turn on, um, trails. Okay. Um, which I think is on your top left. Yep. It, it, um, so, I mean, the first thing that I would do, and if there are trails that we have in the area, we've got trail coverage for about 80% of the U S 90%. Sometimes the trails aren't showing up. Um, but it, you know, for me, I'm looking for, and then the next thing that I look for is water. So, um, uh, from a water perspective, um, dealing with GPS data in the past, um, you know, the, the, I, I almost always see large mature bucks near water. Um, so if you've got water turned on or I can see water on your screen here from when it froze up, um, I'm just going to restart my screen here quick just to see if I can get this thing to kick me back. Yeah, into sorry. Seeing what can you, you can see me moving and waving, right? On the bottom. I there. can see you moving and waving, right. but everything on the screen's kind of pixelated. It doesn't matter because I can yeah. talk you through it anyway. Um, so what I automatically do is, is I look at where water is and then I automatically zoom in on any terrain features that are near water and I look for if I'm if I don't care what I'm killing, then I'm looking for obvious terrain features that will drive movement. So in other words, if I'm just looking to kill a doe or put meat in the freezer, which is generally my early season, like I don't really um, early season for me, I'm always except for the opener. If I'm in, if I'm in a place like North Dakota for the opener and it's velvet, then maybe I'm looking for bucks, but I'm always scouting for them with glass. Like I almost am never, um, I'm always, always, I'm almost never using a mapping application like mine early season to find out where the bucks are. I'm more or less focused on food because pressure really hasn't drove them to make decisions about areas. But let's just say we're doing this early. If I'm doing this early season and, and we can say that we are right. I, and I consider early season, everything before like October 15th. So if we're doing this early season, I would be looking at um, uh, where there's food, which would be like open fields, where there's water. Um, I, and then I would get on the ground and I would map things like um, any, anywhere that there's acorns. And people have asked this about like an acorn. I have the data for the acorn stuff. I don't find it to be super reliable. So other apps throw it up there. Um, I only see it being correct about 30% of the time. 35, maybe 40 at the most percent of the time. And that to me is a useless feature. 
where you're where but anyway i i could throw that data on there i probably will just because people always ask for it i don't find the acorn stuff to be super um but anyway i'm, I'm getting i'm getting distracted okay so what what i'll automatically do is i, I will um okay now your screen's back here a little bit so right. i would i would pan up to where i see that twin valley lake i would maybe put that in the middle of the screen because it looks like that Cock Valley, Cox Valley, or Cox Hollow, or whatever that's called, yep, Cox is Hollow, ne yep. right near roads. Um, so it looks like the west side of that lake, where that thousand, you have that point there. Yep. Um, I would, I would, that, I would start my scouting there. So what I would do is I would zoom in there, and I would be, because what I have here is I have cover, I have terrain that's harder to walk to, or at least a little farther. You can measure from that road yeah. there if you want to, but it looks like. Um, you're, 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 you're dealing with a fair little walk. Um, and so, but there's little trails there too. So never mind. So, I mean, automatically in this area, I'm already concerned with how much access there is. Some guys aren't concerned with access. I concern myself with access. So now I'm skipping the water because the water just became something that's not driving my decisions. Why? Because there's trails everywhere. So now I'm going to go look you see where it says Governor Dodge State Park there and above that where there's no trails and it's just kind of like woods and that type of stuff yes. to your left. Now I'm looking over there and, you know, south of where those trails are, because that might be the most difficult place to walk to. Basically, I'm looking for places that most hunters aren't going to be going to. Um, some guys don't do that, but but I do. And then with the water now. I might take into consideration during the rut, but my assumption is that if bucks need water, there's a river going through there. That All I'm saying about water is bucks are always near water. Anytime I see bedding getting chosen during the day, anytime I see areas that they're at, they use waters as kind of like handrails for navigating property. You'll see them following the water, but they also need water. So they're almost always near some type of water source. The second thing that I'll look at is if I get on the ground and I plot for where my acorns are, their food, it looks like there's actually cuts there. So um, I'm not sure it's on the web app yet, but it will be. But in the mobile app, there's like a timber cut layer um, and there's no UAV there. So okay. that, that's another thing I do is I really focus myself now, at least in the last couple of years, I focus on scouting areas where the UAV is available. Um, a lot of guys don't do that, or if it's not near them, that's fine. But anyway, it's impressive. Um, so let me what, let me just pause you for just a second here. When you when you say, uh, and I just want to pull on this thread for just a second, is you know the the what you when you say what you see is bucks are using water as a handrail, and they they need to be by it for you know obviously quenching that thirst, but also as like navigational patterns. Is that when you say you see, are you are you referring to the the data that Spartan Forge has on the collared deer from the from the AI learning you've built? Or are you saying yep. Bill Thompson specifically? I just wanted to clarify that for the audience. No, I mean I, I, I learned it from GPS data. It's just they use transition, and obviously there's a transition between water and woods, but then there's a transition between like different types of um, uh, foliage and shrubs in the area. Um, they they use them like handrails. Kind of like if you were to live in a sector of woods, you would just start, you would orient yourself or you would dead reckon yourself in the area by learning how you get from one area to another by using the woods and where the woods transition as, a, as what I call like a handrail. I think that's a, that's a orienteering term. term, but basically it's just something on the ground that allows you to say, oh, okay, I've hit the river. Kind of like, kind of like how if you were learning to walk around a city, 
you would learn where all the major highways are and all the major roads are. You wouldn't learn every one, but you would learn some of them. So, you know, okay, I've hit I-25, I've gone too east. I've gone too far east, or I've hit I, in your case, let's see, I-94 or I, yeah, like I've gone too south or something like that. So it's a handrail and just, you know, they, they, they use roads in that way too, dear. But anyway, I look at where from a topographical and a vegetative standpoint, I have multiple handrails intersecting. And then I'll look at where topo also drives that type of movement. I'll look for cuts and deep cuts in the area. And that's where that 25 foot, um, 20 foot and 10 foot contours come into, um, come into play because that, that movement's driven both by a vegetative for the handrails and the transition I talked about before. But now you talk about, I look for points in there and I look for um, intersecting thermal hubs, travel, corridors, anything that's going to drive all of that together. And you really can't look at any, people try to give formulas for how they scout. I don't stick to those formulas as often. For me, it's just whatever's more prominent um, are the first things I focus on. And then I will start drawing lines, like using my measuring tool, um, to to, and I'll draw lines over all the points. I'll draw lines over the river. I'll draw lines over the transition, and then I'll just look at how many, where do the, where's the lo- highest confluence of those things coming together? Like where does trails? Where do points? Where does water? And where does vegetation and that transition of vegetation? Where are those lines overlooking the most? And then I'll get on the ground from there and I will work backwards in the off season um, or, or early season and do my scouting in that area to look for food, to look for scrapes, to look for, um, you know, any, any indicator of movement, you know, indicate in the military, we call them indications and warnings. But basically any piece of little little piece of intelligence once I'm on the ground and then I plot all of those things. And then, um, you know, from the Spartan Forge perspective, you might push your your in, your Intel button there on the side. And um, so in this case, it would be that Lambda over there on the left above. You have your black menu there on the left. Yep. The Spartan Forge thing, that's the Eastman's integration. That's for Tag Hub. But there I, I would push this. And then I would go down and I would click into, at least for myself, the next very next thing I look at after I've drawn those lines and I'm looking at all of these intersecting places is I'll go all the way down to um, keep going, keep going, keep going. Right there, historical wind. That's the next thing I look at. And if I say, okay, now I'm going to be hunting this place in October. So I'll click that calendar. There's a little calendar in the top, right? I click that calendar and I go to October and I say, what is the primary wind here? So those spikes, those big spikes there, there's one at west, northwest, and there's one at south. Yep. Now I start looking wherever I have scouted on the ground and I've seen a confluence of points and I've seen movement indicators and I've seen deer indicators. I will start hanging cameras if cameras are allowed. And I'll look at what time of the day I'm getting movement there and figure out where my doe bedding groups are and where I think the bucks might be if I'm doing a later season hunt. For early season, if I'm just trying to put meat in the freezer, I'll just focus on food and and where those points come together. And then I will draw my routes using this. So now I know where the roads are. I know where the, I know where the, um, the deer are moving. And I know how they're using that terrain. 
And now I say, okay, for a west-northwest wind or a south wind, which what I almost never have in this area, it looks like, is a north-northeast. Anything from north to southeast, I'm just throwing out the window because it looks like my prevailing wind is this west-northwest at 10%. Then I have a southern wind, which is the secondary one. So all of my ingress, all of my walking in and walking out uh, movement, I'm focusing on those two winds. And I will wait for those winds in order to hunt these areas that I'm setting up. And then I will select my trees in the Spartan Forge app and I'll put like, you know, here's my climbing tree. I'll generally take a picture of it and I'll post it. So like in this case here, you've got that. And then you can go to climbing tree, which is in your second row there um, on the bottom left right there, climbing tree. And then once I'm out there, I'll actually take a picture of that. Um, I'll actually take a picture of that tree and add it as an image. And then I'll reflect in my notes how I'm oriented in that tree. So if I'm taking that picture from the north and I'm walking from the north, I would say, you, I would say in my notes, you selected this wind for a west or this tree stand for a west northwest. You've uploaded an image standing from the north. And this is you will approach this tree from the north. And this is what the stand looks like. And here's if you can't cut, then I want to get up 12 feet because that's when I climbed the tree that presented me with the most shooting lanes. And when I got up to 15 feet, I saw that it was too, it was too um, uh, congested and I didn't have the shooting lanes. And because this is public, I can't cut. So now when I'm getting in there that morning, I have my route in, I know my expected paths of travel. I know the tree that I want to get in. I know the height that I want to be in that tree. And I've got a daytime picture of that tree to reference whenever I'm looking at the tree in the middle of the night or in the dark. And, and if I'm not allowed to like put cat eyes up or something, or the landowner doesn't want me mucking with the tree, I'll generally take like, and this sounds dumb because they can fall down and they do, but I usually take like two or three branches and stack them against the tree that are on the ground, like dead logs or branches. And I'll stack them against that tree. So when it's dark, it's obvious to me which one it is. And then I take that picture and I make sure it's in there too. And then I simply wait for the forecast and when I see that west, northwest, or south wind pop up, I will reference those pins and make my move. Yeah, that's, um, I mean, that's a level of detail that I, this is why I wanted to do this with you, to be quite frank. Like, I wanted to get, how, how would the owner of Spartan Forge and the product owner of Spartan Forge use his own app to benefit on a, on a, on a hunting standpoint? And so this, this Governor Dodge is interesting because it's a state park. So you're right. There's roads, there's trails, there's hiking trails. What I find uniquely interesting about state parks like this because i hunt one for gun season not this one a different one is those walking paths you, those deer uh, are so used to human pressure in a sense that yeah. like um i don't know they're just desensitized a little bit more There's yeah i yeah, know that's sense. only something you would know um, by knowing that area and hunting that area because you know in north dakota there are state parks that never see people because eight months out of the year it's too cold to be in the woods and walking around so that's only kind of something you'll, depending on your population density is what will deer tolerate and what they won't tolerate. Now they might tolerate people on that trail, but then what happens when you walk off that trail? Yeah, they then they're going, whoa, intolerant. this person stepped off the trail. Like their, their, their white tails going up there. Their, their alerts are going up. Yeah. Now, I'm going to navigate yeah. to an area, Bill, that I know is not huntable. So I'm not going to have to worry about like, you know, uh, people, people have their uh, sensitivities about various things, but uh, there's a property right by my house that is benign it's not public it just happens to be by my house i don't have my location data turned on on my mac so i'm going to try to figure out where the heck i am here really quick i apologize 
And in doing so, right. there's a big vacant property right by my house. It's an old golf course um, that's long been, uh, you know, uh, deprecated or closed off. And so in sharing this, it's fine. Uh, but what I want to get out of this is I know that I know this area does have UAV. So I just wanted the opportunity to, sh to show that off a little bit. Um, yeah. And I often wonder, well, gosh, this is a great property for me. I hike this with my dogs. I bring my kids out here. We do shed hunting. We do morel mushroom hunting. Like it, it's, there's paths through here. I know that a number of folks in the neighborhood are, are actively engaging on this property in some way. Obviously, I'm not going to hunt it. Um, but it's cool to see how deer behave on this property. And if there's any learnings I can, you know, learn about deer, that, that's kind of neat, I think. Um, you know, so if we were to pretend to hunt this property, I don't know, I'll get out your measuring tool and see. I'm just curious as to how, how large this property is. So if I use the area portion here, I can kind of just get my, um, oops, I clicked a different button there. Get my bearings around like how big this property is potentially. Just so I know what we're dealing yeah. with. If I, uh, Got to go down a little bit. You might Sorry. have to close those tools in order to click there. Yeah, I think you're right. All right, so right at the edge of the subdivision, down over here, cuts over there. I'm just going to be pretty, uh, you know, archaic about this for the time being. Good enough. So we're, it's going to tell me then, right, this is about 200 acres. It's a fairly mm -hmm. sizable plot of land. I'm not going to save this right now. So are you sure you want to discard? Yes. And as I go into this, um, I imagine then I can also see the historical, uh, uh, you know, I can see right now we're in August. If I go back to March, I might see something quite different or, you know, just look yeah, at Yeah, so that imagery was just populated on August 30th of this year. So that's as recent as it gets. That's crazy. Let me go back. Yeah, August um, uh, 22nd. Yeah. So then the detail of the UAV is significantly more crisp i'm not sure how close i am here but like i wouldn't be surprised if i do see a deer in this at some point which yeah, i think is I, I, I often see deer on my uav and like i've said before i have found myself now gravitating towards places to do my digital scouting and my hunting just that has uav i'm sure a lot of guys don't like that or wouldn't do that but it's certainly what i do um just because i um I can X off so much more about the area or it's so much more recent that um, I, I can rule out places I know I wouldn't hunt or that, where I wouldn't be just because I can see so much. Well, the recent data too is just so uh, valuable. I, you know, I shared this example, yeah. this anecdote before my boss was trying to hunt an area and it's like, well, I didn't realize because it's further away. You're not going to get to some places often. Or so if the UAV is updating in an area and it sounds like that's going to be improved over time, you'll, you'll light that up for the, the, the hundred percent of the country. So um, excited for when that happens. But my, my boss was like, wow, they just, you know, cut a whole forest down to build a subdivision. And uh, Spartan Forge told me that. And, and certainly Onyx did not. And now I'm not going to drive there to even bother with it because that's something that I gained intel of that I didn't have to deal with. So just kind of fascinating. If I look at the UAV of this property that's near my house, I can see the prevailing wind is, is, is different than what we just saw um, at Governor Dodge. So like it's now taking a different data set into account. Prevailing yep. wind is still uh, west northwest, but uh, definitely more southwest than than south, and and virtually nothing coming out of the east. Yeah, and that's so important for people to understand when they're picking their their selections, when there are scrapes that they know of that are historical deer trails, plotting that where all of those deer trails are, and then picking paths that don't walk that you walk over as little deer trails as possible, or that your wind is being kicked out of there just goes a long ways in keeping does on the property and keeping deer happy and 
not intruding in their territory unless you absolutely have to. I'm not saying you'll kick them off because sometimes it can be very difficult to kick deer off, but at least you're not alerting them to your presence um, in an unnecessary fashion. I also do that for camera placement, which is a thing I think other people really don't think about either. Is when I'm placing a camera, like a lot of guys will just place a camera, throw down their corn or put it over their scrape or make their scrape. And again, they're not check they're not thinking about what are the historical winds in this area? Um, what are the proper winds in this area? And, and we're going to have a wind feature where you'll be able to, you know, select. We're actually implementing a whole um, pin system. So right now, when in, in the update, when you configure your ma Lambda map, there's like a there's a um, a pin system now instead of like marking check boxes. It's not going to be on here. Well, it's at the top. You see where it says private land, agriculture, all of those things. I call those um, um, like pins. Or not okay. pins. What's the better word? Cards for or uh, no tags, like tags. Okay. They're kind of like tags. But you're going to be able to tag stands that are better for southeast winds. So when you're sitting in your truck in the morning, getting ready to go out, and if there's a wind shift or an unforecasted wind shift, you can say, okay, the wind's now northeast. Just so show me all of the northeast stands that are good for this um, wind. But then also for your cameras. Again, I I really take if I'm doing an SD card camera. I don't just walk into the woods, you know, lazy blazy from whatever direction. I'm treating that that camera card retrieval just like I treat going in and grabbing um, or hunting. I, a lot of people don't do that, and I'm sure they're successful not doing that. It's just it's a level of effort that I've always tried to engage myself in because I try to isolate every variable and and blowing out deer that are in an area because you just want to check a camera one day. Um, could be detrimental to either educating the deer of your presence or if it is a spooky buck, kicking them out of an area for a few days um, when you wanted to hunt or if it's does, if there's buck on those does, you don't want to scare them off the property. So yeah, I'm a bit psychotic when it comes to some of these things. I say all of that, but I really haven't done a lot of hunting in the last year and a half. Um, I've probably hunted 5% of the time that I used to spend hunting. Um, and and so I, I was doing a podcast with someone the other day about this, and I, I try to I try to mentally pet myself and just say, well, you're all helping other hunters now, so um, you're, you're a meta hunter. Yeah, yeah. You're basically like a digital guide in some capacity, you know. And I got to imagine yeah. a lot of guides are probably using your product too, and so you're, you're you have a, a what I would call a, definitely a network effect or like a. Well, that's what water. I built Blue Force for. So if people go in and look at Blue Force. One of the major um, consumers of Blue Force stuff and people that I consulted with while I was building it is guides and outfitters that want to be able to share pins for a set period of time with somebody who's either going to be on their property or for buddies that are co-locating and co-scouting properties, automatically sharing pins instead of texting each and every one, but sharing images and that type of stuff inside of those pins. Um, for and, and, and it's funny because there's a subset of hunters that I know who are serious hunters that are on the platform. Those are the first guys that start building Blue Force teams and using it in this way um, because it's one of those types of features that are kind of like they're not that feature is not for the faint of heart. Like you got to be a psycho in some <laughs> capacity to want to use a Blue Force tracking um, capability. But once people start using it, I think and the upgrades that are coming, I think the payoff and the value benefit up front is evident. So let me let me just walk through an anecdote of that, that a hypothetical anecdote. Derek uh, is, I don't know, I think he's out scouting. It seems to be one to four days a week. Derek's one of our other co-hosts. 
he is uh, canvassing incredibly large areas and, and exploring uh, multiple tracts of public land on a regular basis. So the number of pins that he's dropping are, are significant, data he's collecting and so forth. Now, let's just pretend I'm like Derek for a second. I'm not, but let's pretend I am. <laughs> let's pretend I have a number of uh, cell cams out and trail cams out, and I'm, I'm hitting the, the public ground like he is on a regular basis. And, and maybe Greg too, right? Because Greg's, Greg's up there with him on that, in that regard. So the three of us, let's say we're going to tackle a new area, like Governor Dodge State Park, as an example. And now we have Blue Force Tracker. So we're dumping in our own uh, perspective of things and adding to this collective. It's almost like crowdsourcing. Uh, how do I, I'm not even sure I'm trying to articulate this, but like we're, we're suddenly now able to analyze one another's data to, in, to, to inform a hunt for the three of us to have more success. Sounds like best ball if I'm in golfing. All three of us are taking swings. Someone might have a better uh, swing and a better ball. And, and like maybe they're getting a really big buck on trail cam. But if I'm tagging a, a piece of information, you know, uh, 200 yards away or 500 yards away, that indicates that, you know, Derek maybe didn't cover that, but I did. Now he's seeing that on the Blue Force tracker inside of Spartan Forge. Like we're kind of crowdsourcing and as a team, we're, we're tackling that, that plot. And now we're getting more intel from one another by sharing that. Is that a good potential use case? Is that kind of how you're describing it? That's a fine use case, yeah. I mean, basically just um, distributing work, effort, and knowledge um, uh, among more than one person is always a good way to look at and to do hunting. And and also like, you know, hunt with people that you trust and so you can share the points and you know that they yeah. will do right by you and you'll do right by them and nobody will be reckless in there and that you're putting as much intel in as you can. And, you know, I had um, groups of buddies that I, I don't hunt with anymore just because I don't have the time. But, you know, we all hunted the same 10,000 square acre block of public. Um, nobody's going to cover all of that on their own. But three or four or five guys over a period of a year, you can learn a lot about that place and understand exactly where the big bucks are um, and distribute that work among, you know, a group of people so that you can become more successful. But then also there's a safety aspect. So on, on the future update, you'll be lo location sharing. So if we know you're going into a spot and you're not responding to text messages anymore and it's 10 p.m. we can see where you you know were last on the ground um there's that but then there's also a safety thing if you want to share it with family members or once you start hunting with your kids um you can all be part of the same blue force team and um share location and distribute that knowledge among everyone on the team but for outfitters the same thing if you manage a piece of land and you want to put a hunter on a certain tree stand you can ensure give pass him the trail to get to that tree stand pass him the tree stand a picture of it as a pin Inside of there, all he has to do is download the Spartan Forge app, install it, and then he can look at that and he can understand the ground just like somebody who's been scouting it for many years for the time that he's there. But then also the person knows that they're going to the right tree stand, they're in the right place. They didn't have to have too many people in there polluting the ground or making too much scent or noise. They just send one guy in there, he walks to the stand, he hunts, the guy knows that he's where he's at and, and, and everyone's happy. But then, you know, the third case, the third use case, um, and it'll be the third update is if you are like myself, I'm, I'm moving. I actually have movers in my house today, but I'll be moving to Stafford, Virginia. When I move to Stafford, I immediately start door knocking again and looking at pieces of public um, and accesses, access to public, but then also hunting in people's backyards and knocking on doors. I obviously use the property annotation feature for that. But then as part of the third update, I can tell a landowner, look, download the free version of this app the Spartan Forge app, and you can share your property with me, and then you'll be able to see when I'm on your property um, back there hunting so you don't send the kids back to the tree fort when I'm back there with a bow or vice versa. 
you know, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm obeying and using the land in a way that it was prescribed. I wouldn't say it's the first thing you offer a landowner, but I definitely think if they've had bad interactions with hunters in the past, it's a way to kind of lessen that friction. Like, oh, I had a hunter that stole stuff from my property or left tree stands up or left cameras or there was corn bags everywhere and that type of stuff. You can use a, a feature like Blue Force Tracker and say, look, just download this free app, share your property with me. You'll be able to see whenever I'm back there. You'll be able to see whatever pins I put down. You'll be able to see where I'm hunting. And then you will know that I'm using the property in a way that's prescribed. And if, if that's what you have to do to get access, then I see that as a victory if you're able to um, uh, lessen that friction with a potential landowner and gain access to a place. Um, and it kind of buys down risk for everyone involved and allows you to keep pursuing whitetails. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's an amazing feature. And as a landowner, you kind of have a right to, to know that that information. If you're kind enough to let sure. it on your property, it would be valuable information to, for you to know, did that person, when was that person on my property? How did they access my property? Did they stay in bounds? Did they do what I told them to do or not do? And if you have that as a proof point, then it's like, as a prerequisite to hunt, to hunt my property, then yeah, I want you to use this app, Hunter. And if it does, uh, I think that's a great selling point. Uh, yeah, if you're not probably leading with it, but it is something that can like help mitigate their concern around that risk mitigation of uh, like letting someone else on their property. But I don't know what that implies from an insurance standpoint, if there's other insurance holding things that have to come into play to, to satisfy that. Like if I'm allowed to roofer, you know, roof my roof, then they have to have a certain type of insurance, right? Cause they get injured on my property. Now I got a problem in my hand. So that I don't, obviously it's a whole different conversation, but nonetheless. Um, yeah. There's, there's hunter's insurance that you can purchase for your property to let people hunt on your property. Um, you can also just, there's documents that most state and local municipalities allow you to print out to just say, I'm responsible to whatever happens to me while I'm on this property. So um, those are also things that we, we look to integrate into the future. That's where I was going um, with in, it. Yes. Right into the app. So That's perfect. You're just making it easier for everybody and, and it's a better outcome for, for the hunting community for sure. Now, Bill, this is all super informative. We, you know, we, we talked about LIDAR. I didn't, I didn't show it on the, on the map as much. Wisconsin's pretty flat. I think there's some, some areas that I might be familiar with, but then those are my areas. And I'm like, man, eh, maybe I won't show those on the map on a live podcast. <laughs> um, yeah. I think when you dropped it, I happened to be in Montana at the time uh, earlier this year. And uh, it looked pretty cool in Montana because, you know, it's Montana, there's mountains everywhere. So it was uh, definitely more feature rich as, as far as like the slope angle uh, that you guys have to offer in the app where you can kind of like get that, you know, bird's eye view or the ground view of like how you are going to look at a piece of terrain as far as how exaggerated you want those slopes to look but even like the heat what i would call like a cold versus hot in the slope angle as well you're seeing the the grade of the land by like coloration in addition to top of lines in addition to a 3d effect like you're covering off on those are three different ways that hunters can can view uh terrain features and the one that we've been most accustomed to for you know forever is top of lines and you have that and you have it at a, a you know, down, up down to 10 feet. Then you have the slope angle, the 3d effect, and then you have that, that, uh, heat sensitivity. Like those are two newer ways as hunters, I think, um, can come to view that stuff. So it's just an, an ability to turn on a number of light bulbs in your, in your head as you're scouting a property, e-scouting a property. It's just fascinating, man. I, I love it. And obviously you have, uh, offline maps. So like if you're going to go to an area where you know, you're going to have terrible cell reception, download the map ahead of time. Um, yeah. So you can use the, those full feature sets. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's just you know, like I said before, trying to distill and, and centralize every tool that a whitetail hunter, or in this case now, as we're moving to western features, would need 
um, but then also being a learning resource. We have some really cool AI features. <clears throat> Excuse me. Some really cool AI features that we've been teeing up um, that we'll be releasing in the app here um, probably starting in November um, sometime throughout the spring that will help with scouting and other stuff, things that I think people haven't even thought about. Um, that's just going to be more value add for the product. And um, we hope people keep seeing what we're doing and that we're uh, trying to make their lives easier. And people always complain or say like, oh, you're taking all the field craft out of it or you're taking the, the hard work and the scouting out of it. And the, rea the reality of it is people have less time today than they've ever had. And people are more, there's more going on in everyone's lives than ever which is both a bad and a good thing right like as long as we're making things and making products and making people's lives better and providing entertainment doing that stuff like that's all good but it also means less time to do the things that we want to do in the woods and if i can cut down on somebody's scouting time or present them with a resource that they otherwise haven't thought about and that helps them make successful or put meat on the table to feed their family or pass culture on to their children or participate in something like hunting with their wives or whomever then i'm happy to do that and that's what we're here for yeah and it's um it's not killing the deer for you. Like you still need to put in a considerable amount yeah. of work. It's not mitigating the work so much. It's just right. giving you access to, to understanding some things a little bit differently or a little bit better. And, and there's a, a spectrum of like use cases to, to your point, like someone like Steve Shirk might be utilizing this in a way that like someone like myself isn't. There's that spectrum. Like you, you only get so you, you get what you get out of it or what you put into it. Um, like, yeah, is Photoshop uh, or Adobe Illustrator or After Effects or all these Adobe products amazing? Sure, but you you could you could get a four year degree in learning that stuff. Like you can go as deep as you want to go and 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 find efficiencies. But like if you're only scratching the surface, you're only scratching the surface. If you're only putting in two hunts a year, you're still only putting in two hunts a year. Like you, it's all relative. So to that end, like yeah. I, I I see I see where people are coming from with it, but it, it's still not killing the tear. It just isn't. They and also it, it don't have to use the feature. Like they also don't have to use the yeah. feature. Well, there, I think the, the complaint is that you want to make things more difficult. That's the, fine. The complaint seems to be similar to that of a, you know, when crossbows became, uh, you don't have to have shoulder injury to use a crossbow. You can just, they're just open to the market if it's available in your state. And, and then the problem that I've heard or the disposition tends to be, well, now they're encroaching on the deer that I'm going to be hunting because it's lowered the, the barrier of entry or the ability to the bar to, to kill an animal. And so it's, it, it seems to be a very selfish disposition. It's that they're, they're coming after my land. They're coming after my deer. It's making it easier for everyone else. Therefore, I'm not going to have as much success at a mature animal. Uh, I think people are playing yeah, different I mean, ball games is what I think. I think the guys that, that continuously kill mature deer, you, you got, you know, Lee Ellis, Seek One. You got Aaron Warbritton and Zach Barenbaugh with Hunting Public. You got Dan Infall with the Hunting Beast. You got all these known whitetail killers, Jake Bush, over at Latitude and so forth. Like these guys aren't concerned with, anybody else and how they hunt they know what they're doing and how to hunt and, and they're going to continue to kill mature white till regardless of whatever else whatever else is doing so i say that point to say anyone that has that concern you know you're you're uh, you're thinking that everyone else is the problem like and that's uh, yeah. an ass backwards way so yeah i mean that's the key point here is we all have enough to, to police up of our own of ourselves and how we comport ourselves in the world stop trying to fix everyone else just worry about yourself um, I, I, especially when people are, especially when people are, um, uh, what's the word when people are hunting to eat, I truly don't give a crap. 
if they're putting fear on the table for your kids, which, you know, growing up, you know, for people in my life, definitely that was the case for them growing up. I know people whose kids only eat wild game. I used to try to have my kids only eat wild game. Um, if it's legal, I don't care. Like do whatever you have to do to feed your family. Um, and if, you know, and if you are just using it, you know, recreationally, then do whatever you have to do in order to keep hunting going recreationally. We need tags being bought. We need people in the woods. We need the revenue to keep public lands public and lands open. And uh, the proper level of analysis is just worry about yourself as a hunter and not what everybody else is doing. Yeah. And that could be applied to everything in life, professionally True. hunting. It doesn't matter, but it's a human nature problem more than anything else. And it is, it is what it is. People are always going to find something to be, like you said, mad about, complain about, unhappy about, and think that everyone's coming for their stuff because it got easier. That AI right. is taking our job away. No, it's just putting uh, more emphasis on the creative and your ability to navigate that as a tool. Um, yeah, anyway. the irony is, is that people complain about this stuff on a smartphone, on a network that globally wasn't available until seven years ago, where you can literally interact, interact with billions of people with the click of a of a keyboard, um, and they're and they're complaining about technology and its ability to scale and and. And the irony is palpable for me. It is. Yep. I saw a thread or a post about a, a photographer offering uh, really nice photos of trophy deer. If you got a, a what and trophies relative, if it could be a spike for all I care if it's a kid of the first year, that's a trophy for them. And that's a picture that like they might want a professional to take because it's a, a memory of a lifetime. And everyone was like, this is what's wrong in the hunting industry. Everyone wants to do this for the gram. And it's like, oh says every single person that has a deer in their profile picture Guys, come on. Like everyone would love to have a really high quality picture of their buck or their deer or their memory. Right. So you could frame it and hold on to that and cherish it because someone else might take a way better picture than your than your iPhone or your Samsung or whatever. So again, irony yeah. palpable, right? Because I'm looking at this. Yeah, I mean, but also people the other ironic thing here is grown men complaining about what other grown men do yes. on a hunting forum. Yes. It's like, dude, you're complaining about this guy who wants to take a nice picture of a deer, but you're complaining about it like a seven year old on the internet. Yep. Yep. It's uh like do you not realize the irony here? Like they don't. No, it's they itself. don't. They're 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 better than thou and heaven forbid. But but I what I have learned about human nature, Bill, is that um and there's a great book called The 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 Laws of Human Nature, um by Robert Greene. And somewhere in there he talks about how everyone from their perspective of the world, from their from their two eyes, they perceive themselves to be good. They perceive what they're doing to be good and right and so forth. And if everyone thinks that, no one sees greedy, it's the other guy. Correct. No one sees themselves as the bad guy. And so every now and again, you got to stop and look in the mirror and be like, wait, am I, am I the bad guy here? Am I the one being a dick? Like I ask myself that yeah. question often because I, it's a, it's an insurance claim. You're, you're 10% at fault by just simply being present in the space that someone was driving on the road, even though it wasn't your fault for, you didn't run the red light, someone else did, but you were there. So you have, uh, yeah. you definitely have a, a you're part of the equation. Nonetheless. Yeah. Uh, Robert Greene's great. I've read some of his other stuff. I think he did that book on the laws of attraction. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Robert Greene's great. I love his stuff. And yeah, more people should read stuff like that because um, there's an old saying in the military. If you've got a finger pointing at someone else, you've got three pointing back at yourself. Absolutely. Um, and I think about that every time I try, I, I think about casting a dispersion. So yeah. Yeah. I it's, always think it's, like, it's, oh. it's like, it's like bitching about capitalism on an iPhone. <laughs> yes. Oh, man, it's good stuff. Well, I, I'm excited to continue to see the things that come uh, forth from Spartan Forge and, and you and your nimble team. And uh, like 
growth is in the future. I think you're going to continue to make users by and large happy. We'll keep spreading the good word on our end. Um, hopefully everyone that listened and, and or watched got some value out of this. I know I did. And, uh, you know, don't be a stranger. You're welcome in the studio anytime you're passing through Wisconsin. You're always welcome to call in on any of our live broadcasts, which you have done in the past number of times. I always welcome those calls. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if there's any questions anyone has, you know, as this debuts out on uh, YouTube on the live chat and so forth, like put the comments in. And we'll, I'll make a good point to come back and circle circle around. And obviously you can use code OHP, save yourself 20 percent off on your annual annual subscription. But I will say that you need to do that on the website, uh, Spartan spartanforge.ai uh and then yeah. it's a one-time use code so if you've ever used it before you're not going to get it again and uh once yeah. you once you have that that's you then need to go and log into the app with those same credentials you created um yeah. and unless I, you want to use a different email then you can cheat the system that way and i'm fine with that yeah people, do what you do. people cheat systems like that people are cheating tiktok every day uh, well which is you know another uh, i wouldn't say they're cheating tiktok but we got a guest on last night that was like i'm on my fifth tiktok account with a fifth email address He's like, I went from 300,000 followers to, you know, 100,000 followers to 60 to, and he's like, now I'm at like, you know, 2,000. He's like, TikTok is actively removing me from their platform every day from posting outdoor Yeah, content. I listened to a bit of that last night. The Cora, Cora, Corey. Yeah. Corey, that's what it was. Yeah, I just saw it and listened for a while. But yeah, I, 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 yes. So yeah, I mean, and also, like you said before, um, if anyone has questions, I am still the guy that interacts with everyone as the chief product owner, like I talked about before. If people have gripes, recommendations, questions, whatever, um, they can talk to me through our social and I'm, I'm the guy that will be responding to them. Sometimes um, they'll get some of my other marketing people, but if they ask specifically for me, they mm -hmm. will get me. So. You are oddly responsive too for everything you have going on. Like I can ask you, people ask me questions like I can be, I'm like a liaison some of the times. And I've uh, got a massive screen in my office that I, that I use for work. Oh yeah. And um i keep the social media stuff up on my side of my screen so as i'm doing work as stuff comes in i answer it right away um and on the weekend and stuff like that too it's just you know startup mode it's always on yep well thanks bill i'm gonna end the live uh the, the recording here and for folks that listen in we appreciate you uh go check out spartan forge spartanforge.ai go check out the app in the app store they got the free version you can kick the tires for a bit before you decide if you want to you know dive all the way in um and and i'll just say one last point because i think this is important to leave people with you know, it's like Android versus iPhone. Once you're married to one, you don't want to switch because it would be a heavy, heavy lift and burden potentially. But you do have the ability to 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 migrate your pins from other platforms to Spartan Forge. So you don't lose any of the historical data that you've accumulated over years of hunting on another platform. Is that correct? Yes, that's true. Yep. Okay. And that's straightforward enough to do. I haven't done it. Um, yeah, there's a video on our YouTube. Bo Martonic covers it. It's about a three minute process. Pretty easy to do. Okay. Good to know. All right. Well, uh, thanks again, Bill, for being here today. I know you got a lot going on. So let's thanks for having me, Eric. Yeah, anytime. All right.